0: Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a Kings Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in light-hearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. All right, welcome back to another episode of Conversations About Light. Thanks for joining us as we dive into one Thessalonians, uh, titled "Living a Godly Life." I am joined here with Mark and Josh. How are we going, guys?
1: Yeah, good. Good to see you. Good yeah, to be back. Yeah, good very to have good. Josh back.
2: Good. good. Good to be back. Good to be in the podcast recording sessions.
0: Yeah, very good to have you back. Uh, we missed out on last week. Um, So, if people are listening Mm. and are wondering where the previous episode uh, is, it is not available because it was not recorded because life happens. But we're here today and the question I have for you gentlemen today is, (laughs) you ready? You strapped (laughs) in.
2: (laughs) Never. I can't wait.
0: (laughs) Both of you guys are DIY men, right? Define <laughs> <to> DIY. <laughs> yeah. How would you define DIY, Josh? You enjoy I'll using ask the question. I'll tell uh, you after. <laughs> you enjoy using power tools. I do. Yes. Yourself, Mark.
1: Um, keep asking the question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, what is your favorite power tool and why?
1: Uh.
2: <laughs> you first, Mark.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh I have no favorite. Uh, The drill. The drill? (laughs) Yeah, the drill does a lot of stuff. (laughs) The drill. Everyone, Everyone can use a drill. Yeah. Yeah. Could I say my right and left
2: bicep, or does it have to be... half <laughs> and do you sir <laughs> Every day.
0: <laughs> Every day. There you go.
2: No, I've, I've got a straight track saw, so that's uh, it got a l- aluminium track, and you drop, drop the saw and plunge it through, so it wow. cuts perfectly straight. So I enjoy that, because it does a better job
1: than me. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very low bar on what DIY means. Who, me or yeah. Josh? You do. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, can you use a power
2: tool? <laughs> can you use... <laughs>
0: I'm not a DIY guy. <laughs> I struggle wow. changing a light bulb. All right, well, now that we've got through that successfully, we're going to dive into today's text, which is 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 to 16. Today's reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, the English Standard Version. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. What are you guys noticing within this text? We'll start with you, Mark.
1: I think you know when you think of a healthy family, uh, the whole healthy family is multi generational, and a healthy family everyone uh, celebrates each other. So if if one person in the family is blessed with something. Everyone else celebrates that and feels blessed with, with something. They all share in the blessing versus a community where that's not a healthy family, where there's jealousy and envy and, you know, it's mm. fairness. If one person gets something, everyone must get it, or it's not fair and there's no celebration. Right. Um, what we see here is like a healthy family, and that's remarkable. that We have the Apostle Paul and his friends, and they say, we always thank God for you. We thank God for you constantly in our prayers. They they literally like stop their busy lives uh, to spend time praying for these Thessalonians, which they barely know. They've known them for you know at least three weeks, but probably a little longer. But they don't know them well, Mm. and they thank God for the way that they've received the word of God for the gospel life that they're experiencing. Like their life, their whole lives have been enriched by the Thessalonians' reception of the word of God, Um, and. And then, you know, God is kind of honoring all of them or blessing all of them. So you have this, like, when the gospel's at work Mm. in healthy communities over here, you know, you see this here. There's this, like, shared celebration. Your blessing is our blessing. We thank God. We're in prayer. You're receiving the word. God's doing good things. Um, That jumps out.
0: Yeah, nice. What about you, Josh?
2: I
1: think, Mark, you were saying before when we were
2: chatting that um, Paul's really been affected by the Thessalonians. Something's really happened to him. He's... um, Loves them dearly. Just previously in the chapter, he said, "I was like a nursing mother to you." He says, "You're you know dearly beloved brothers," and he says, "And I was like a father encouraging and, and. so there's that definite sense of family." And Paul is clearly um, joy, full of joy for them, full of thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a, a profound picture of a of a very I think like you say healthy family or church. Mm. And the 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 next part of that verse he says, we give thanks constantly for you. He says, because you received the word of God that you heard from us and you accepted it, not as man's word, but as God's word. And I think that's really um, what stands out to me in this text, in this passage, how they received God's word, um, which is contrasted in the in the second part of the passage we read, where how the those who didn't receive God's word are up in arms and are really... Um, Against mm. what God is doing, that's there's a very big contrast there.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, it makes me think of two examples. There, there was a uh, I, there was a guy who got saved at King's Cross, became a Christian, and someone told him he needed to get baptized or encouraged mm. him that he needed to get baptized. And and the person, you know, they'd been saved for a week or two or something, and they were like, "All oh, right, is that is that in the Bible?" And um, they were like, "Yeah, it is." And they showed them and like, "Okay, great, I need to get baptized." and it was like they just received the word of god as coming from god not kings cross's tradition or um there was another example of someone getting discipled and they were they were doing a bible study together and then it gets it got to the a text a hard text but a text that says you know god disciplines those that he loves um and someone in the in that group mm. kind of uh shared you know I, I, I don't think i don't think that's god disciplines me um i don't think that that's true necessarily for everyone at all times mm. You know, oh. um, so they, they were negotiating from their experience. Yes. No, I don't think that's. I don't think I accept that that mm. verse. You know, yeah. Um, I think there's two like very different responses. You know, yeah. oh, the Bible says I should give. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. The Bible says God's going to discipline those. You uh, like, I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me think about it. Yeah, that's
0: super interesting. Like, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on what we do with that. Um, as in what what should our attitudes be towards God's word, mm. given our cultural context that we live in, there's different influences and mm. pressures. And it's almost like the Thessalonians in the scripture, what Paul's talking about, they esteem God's word. It's something they mm, yeah. um, hold with such high regard, almost like in the first example that you said, it's mm. that's, that's in yeah. God's word, so we'll do it. Yeah. Um, so so how, how do we wrestle with that? given the cultural influences yeah. and pressures of, of our environment here in Perth?
2: I think definitely our culture um, makes us um, assessors in a Western affluent culture. I don't think it's unique to us. I think Paul's experiencing similar things with other churches, but these guys definitely haven't uh, taken the temperature, drawn a chart, measured up things, maybe decided if they like it or not. They've accepted it, he says. So I think the difference between assessing things and accepting is a very big difference um, culturally. We are trained to just assess everything. We're endlessly assessing everything, which has some value, but um, at the same time it has uh, a built-in um, struggle or um, you know a weakness in it, just learning to assess everything. And interestingly, Paul says, "I was preaching, and you accepted it as God's word." Now, think about there's another layer there where yeah. it's like we we like I'll read my Bible and I'll assess that. Even mm. if someone's preaching, I'll double assess that. <laughs> um, so I think the the culture of assessment is is does us a great disservice in responding, in changing, in laying hold of God's word, in applying it to us. We we very we become slow. The more
1: we assess, the slower we change. Mm. Yeah and maybe if i could add so we haven't discussed this so so maybe you to delete this we'll see how we go <laughs> but I, I think what in our culture why do we ass- i guess the question i have is why do we assess mm. and josh spoke a little, he didn't really unpack it but he he mentioned the word in our affluent culture we assess i think part of the answer to that is is hidden there is that we we we've been kind of formed into consumers mm. and so when you're flooded You know, we have, where we are sitting, there's five hospitals around us. There's three or four or five grocery stores we could walk to. Um, There's who knows how many coffee shops. There's bus stops, train stations, car. We're flooded with options. Everything we want to do from this place, we have various options. We'd have to argue about where we're going to go, what we're going to do, because there's just so many options. Mm and i think what what maybe can happen even with the word of god is that we can be flooded with it the, the bible talks about you know fathers don't exasperate your children you know don't expect too much don't, mm. don't put too much pre- it doesn't say um father do, fathers don't exasperate your children with bad things it says fathers don't exasperate your children which means fathers don't exasperate your children with good mm. things either you know you need to know how much they can handle you know as they anyway so why i'm saying all that is to go I think, you know, the average Christian in our church, uh, in our city, um, would, would probably read their Bible, the Word of God, probably be on Instagram where they are following a few people who drop a verse here or there or, or post the Word of God, come regularly to church and hear the Word of God preached, the Word of God, listen to other sermons online, which are great, the Word of God, have podcasts and Twitters and and I can go on and on and on. Now my question then is, which word of God are they? When are the, When are they stopping to obey the yeah. word of God to accept yeah. it, or in the flooding or exasperation of the word of God, when are they pausing to go? What is God actually saying that I can obey and I can and I can walk into it? Where I think, you know, in a sense, we shouldn't be. Um, we should be. So lucky to be like the Thessalonians, where it's clear to us here is how God is speaking to you from his word, and you need to respond to that yeah. um, and simplify our lives a little bit. Yeah,
2: I, uh, yeah, I love that. I, I, I agree. I think I'd just add another thought about how that word comes to us. You know, Paul says it came, in, the, in chapter one, he says it came to us with the Holy Spirit and with conviction. In one sense, uh, God's word is coming to us. And there's, in one sense, there's no mediator between us and Christ. Christ's word comes to us, whether it's through the scripture reading, through a preach, through a podcast. But at some moment, if you listen to sermon saying, "God, Christ is there speaking to you," and you have this moment of power, then the power to ignore it and and spend the rest of your time thinking about assessing whatever the preacher or the is in the scripture. But I think there's a there's a moment when that word comes to us, and in a sense, there's no mediator. It's like Christ is dealing with your heart, and what do you do then? And I think that's maybe what you're talking about, Mark, slowing down to allow that word to impact you. I mean, I think I think anyone can preach a sermon, and you can be changed by it. And I've preached a few, and I'm sure many of them are terrible. I reckon I could listen back and at least find Jesus somewhere, even if it's only in one sentence. <laughs> And that's again. Yeah, how do we receive God's word? Do we sit there like measuring a timber, or are we looking for God, Christ? What are you speaking to me? Mm. Um, you yeah, know, in, in every in, in those encounters and slowing down and thinking about it. Mm. Um, maybe another thought on on that is the kind of the contrast with the people who have rejected God's word. So Paul outlines here: says, you know, the Jews rejected me and they persecuted me. Now the Gentiles are rejecting and persecuting you. I think there's also a danger. When we the less we accept God's word, that the more we um, hinder those who are. Mm-hmm. So when we see people exerting great labors of love, we kind of go, well, what, "Don't labor so hard." Mm-hmm. Doing wonderful acts of faith, like you don't have to get that. Don't get too excited about Jesus. <laughs> and it seems to me that the, that when we begin to resist God's word, that we also then become the spokesperson for hey don't don't obey that," and that seems to be what's happened on at least these two occasions, and I think can easily happen in my own heart and in in our hearts, yeah
0: yeah, going off what Josh says, because like, Paul does talk about the hindrances and the the things that are derailing God's word from landing, um maybe you guys can talk a bit into that.
2: I think again, we see the the word imitators. You became imitators of the churches, and then, I guess the question is, who are you imitating? And there was those who were persecuting God's word, and we can, in a way, imitate them them as well. The hindrance that comes from from the persecution, I love the way Paul addresses it. In, in, he assigns it, you know, in another place to Satan. He says like Satan is tr- always trying to hinder, but at the same time, he's like. Um, God is. You guys have been saved. You've come to Christ. This word has been born fruit. Mm-hmm. So here's this kind of dual um, uh, view of the of the hindrance. It's like, yep, we got a little bit a little bit hindered. Uh, someone, you know, someone forgot to leave the key out, and I had to go find the key. Okay, but we're in the house is ours. We're, we're here. <laughs> it's like a, a small not a small hindrance, but no one's knocked the house down. If that makes sense, it's still what God is doing is still marching forward. And I think those hindrances uh it's a great way to think of hindrances that yep we are hindered, but we're not um we're not r- overrun, mm. and that's how it kind of lands lands in that that passage you know oh god's don't worry, God's got this, and those who try to hinder us, God is eventually he's got it all sorted he's um, put them he says the wrath of God has come upon them at last, and he he seems a little happy, maybe too happy, I think I don't know but um I know, Mark, you had a couple of comments on that on that verse as well, on how God kind of finishes up the hindrance to them in some way by uh, dealing with these guys.
1: Yeah, it's it, it is an interesting verse, and I, and I think Paul is more showing his relief that people are getting now able to get saved. You know, he's he's yeah. what does he say? He's like they they've hindered, um, they displease God, and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the gentiles that they might be saved so Paul's great concern is that people might come to Christ right yeah very good and he's i think that at last is is reflective of Paul going finally at last the way is open you know yeah. we can speak clearly to them those people that were we were hindered from reaching we no longer were hindered from reaching yeah um and they can now be saved as well and god has got god has got those who oppose him out of the way Um, which does again just show if Paul is a reflection of God's heart for His people to know Christ, then you see something of like the great love and urgency and desire um, that anything that would hinder would be removed, that people might know Christ. You know, that's that's I am challenged by that. Like Paul is very clear that being saved is the is you know that's the greatest thing that can. Um, happen and that God will move history to allow it to happen.
2: Yeah. I find a, li- a little unsettling part of that verse is also when he says, um, so always to allow the full measure of their sins to fill up. <laughs> it's like, wow, God allows that. <laughs> and uh, I guess when you just look into your own heart, you go, oh, God's kind of very patient. He's allowing, and their the measure of their sin just gets, you know, kind of, they keep not responding to God's word. And I guess it's a little disconcerting to me. Oh, wow, God doesn't just fix me straight away, but he lets me carry on doing stupid things sometimes. <laughs> and hopefully I never get to the point where God's like, <laughs> okay, everyone out the pool, okay, <laughs> it's all up. So I think that's both encouraging and disconcerting at the same time for me to see, well, wow, God sometimes lets sin go on because he's being gracious and hoping that I'll turn back to him, yeah.
0: Yeah, very good. So just in closing then, what should we do with this discussion? What thoughts or... Um, yeah, what are, what are the thoughts that we should go into this week reflecting upon?
1: I think the question for me and, and Josh may I add one, is how are you accepting the Word of God? Um, do you know what God is saying to you? Because God is, God is speaking to us, He's leading us every one of us even through this podcast even through this text even through the sermon even through community group even through whatever do we know what god is um leading us into and speaking to us are are we accepting are we responding i think that's a great
2: question and maybe a way in which we can respond to that is by positioning our hearts to receive that word whether we at community group whether we're in a conversation with someone whether we're in church or saying, God what are you speaking to me and how can I act upon it and engage with it it's the same, same question but um, just choosing a specific environment to think about it and, and arriving choosing to set your heart ready for that
0: where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we
1: would love you to leave a review and share it with your family.